welcome to the NFL Draft 2021 Day 2 Review Show. I'm joined by Ryan. I'm Matthew Turner. How are you guys? How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I've, uh, I've slept on it, digesting what we saw last night, what we've uh, heard about the draft picks and uh, where I feel like we're going forward. I feel like we're strengthening the trenches, like we're going to be building a foundation. That appears to be what the ethos is going to be in the draft one. And I've seen very little mention of trading down, so I feel like picks in four or five could be it. I think we're just going to sit where we are, see who falls, let the chips fall as they may, as it were. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. Uh, right, we've got a, a good show for you lined up for the next hour. We've got Ryan from the Bear Down podcast in the States on at quarter past 12, and then we'll be joined by Lee from the 49er paper at quarter to one. But in the meantime, we're just going to break down rounds two and three, have a brief look at the picks we like, the picks we don't like across the whole thing. So let's kick off with round two for the next 15 minutes. So I'll run down those picks very quickly. Uh, so from 33, we've got Jacksonville for Tyson Campbell, the Jets had Elijah Moore, Denver for Javante Williams, Miami for Javon Holland, Philly got Landon Dickerson, New England for Christian Barmore, the Bears for Tevin Jenkins, Atlanta for Richie Grant, Detroit then drafted Onwu Zarike, Miami had Eichenberg, Vegas for Merrick, Dallas for Joseph, Jacksonville for Walker Little, Cincinnati took Jackson Carmen. Chargers took Asante Samuel, San Francisco took Aaron Banks, Arizona for Rondell Moore, the Giants took Aziz Ojolari, Washington for Samuel Cosme, Cleveland took JOK, uh, Tennessee took Dylan Radens, Indianapolis for Deo Odiingbo, Pittsburgh for Pat Frymuth, Seahawks took Dwayne Eskridge, the Rams took Atwell, Kansas City took Nick Bowles in Carolina for Terrace Marshall Jr., New Orleans for Pete Werner, Buffalo for Carl Spashman Jr., the um, Green Bay took Josh Myers, Kansas took Creed Humphreys, and it was rounded off by Tampa Bay to Kyle Trask. What sticks out to you as the, as the best and worst of that bunch, Ryan? Well, I'll go with my worst. I do, we did actually laugh about this time. I do find taking uh, the uh, Josh Myers, the centre, I did find that quite interesting when Creed Humphrey was still, like I said, was on the board at the time, who we thought would be the consensus potential number one centre. Like, he was our guy. And we did send, I sent him, I thought, to the Packers, but potentially in round one. So they've seen something in Josh Myers that they feel was worth picking him up when he could have been maybe the third or fourth centre. So the, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. This is the... Oh, joint worst pick for me in the round. There was better people on board. Creed Humphreys obviously went to pick later to Kansas, but Myers made mistakes at Ohio State, snapping the ball to to Fields. I mean, it, it was some errant snaps. He is not the fastest in getting to his protections. He is not uh, an aggressive finisher on the line. He he needs work. So I, I didn't understand that at all, but I, I actually put him joint with Tutu Atwell who I like, but just such a reach. And at that height and weight, I, I'm sure Stafford will like him over the middle, but it's yeah. the same worry as Smith for me in terms of potential injury at that sort of weight. Yeah, whenever you look at someone that was listed at about 148 to 155, you do question durability at the pro level, even if he thinks he can get away from people. He's going to get hit a lot, especially across the middle, if he's going to be on crossing routes slants he's going to be running a lot of slants so safeties and linebackers are going to be waiting for him he's going to have to bulk up mm. i gave a grade to every pick just as a snapshot and i gave a lot of a's actually there was a lot of value to be found a lot of people that slipped um Merrick's one that stands out that we talked about yesterday vegas but also tevin jenkins to the bears they're having a sneaky good draft so far elijah moore the second pick off the board to the jets strikes you know there's definite value there for me creed humphreys we just mentioned that's really good how, how do you feel about those and maybe kyle trask as well going to tampa bay you know i woke up this morning i've seen a lot of bears fans i mean a lot of tampa bay fans either confused or unhappy but the way they need to see it is that tom brady could wake up tomorrow morning and go do you know what i don't need to do this anymore like i've done it all they need a successor to that air. They need someone that's going to be at least willing to sit a year, maybe even two, because Trask might not be ready in a year. 
and he has got those he's got the he's got the arm power he's got strength like he's going to be a solid pocket passer and if anyone tom brady's the perfect person to learn off whether or not he should have someone should have gone before him if it were too soon i think sometimes it's never too early to pick a guy that you think is going to take over your franchise in the coming years Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'm with you there it's it's a pick that makes sense in terms of position and team, but maybe not exact player for me. I'm just not high on Trask. I don't think he has it. I don't think he will have it. Um, I would have gone for one of the next two that we'll probably speak about in the next segment, but went in round three. Uh, is there anyone else that strikes you as a, an absolutely massive reach that's sitting there? I can see perhaps a couple I have in mind. Uh, yeah, like I said. I think it was one of them things where I believe that people panicked. I feel like this was a bit of a panic round. We saw all those trades so early on. Like trying to keep up with it was actually really difficult. I feel like one of the uh don't know, it's hard to say. Let me just glance at the list I've got open. That's okay. I'll I'll throw a few names out there that I've seen. So I think that Deo Odingbo edge for Indianapolis at 54 is a huge reach. I think he can be good. He's coming off an injury, which I think has depressed his value. If he can return to health, that I think he'll be a good pick. But he was one in a long line of edge players taken by Indianapolis. They've clearly identified a weakness there. Um, who else? I found it weird that they went edge because it's the simple fact they went edge in the first round. So for some reason they seem to like have identified that pass rush is such a clear error to to go back to back edges tells you that they've got very uh they've got some concerns about pressure and generating getting to the quarterback. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The other oh, one there, that... there's the there's the reach. Malcolm Koontz. Sorry, Buffalo. say again, who? Malcolm Koontz. Oh the yeah. Buffalo from the I have Never heard of him. I didn't see him on any boards. From the look of it last year, he only got 20, 30 tackles and five sacks. So I imagine they must have done some extensive research on him because he caught everyone off guard. So I had him on my board at 221 and he was picked at 79. So that's obviously a, a That's a boom or bust. That's a definite boom or bust. Uh, one thing that I found interesting is had Jackson Carmen listed as a guard on the on the draft, but he is a tackle. I don't know whether he'll get kicked inside, but apart from him, the only guard taken in the entire second round was Aaron Banks at 48 to San Francisco. And I do wonder if that's a symptom of the strength of the interior offensive line position. Obviously, it seems like a massive reach. He was 100 on my board. Uh, pick 48, but considering the lack of depth at the guard position, that maybe it was just, you know, demand and supply. There wasn't a lot of supply, and, and they knew what they needed. Uh, Wyatt Davis and Kendrick Green also on the board. They went in third round. Wyatt Davis was ranked 46, um, but he comes with injury concerns, and, and you know, that that's going to depress his value. Do you see that as a, as a massive reach for San Francisco? I do, yeah. Even when you appreciate interior offensive line that that highly, I do feel like there were there was better options. I'm pretty sure, like say they took him, did walk a little, and the likes of Dylan Redunds and Eichenberg all go before, yeah, around that area. So yeah, there was a there was a mix, and I feel like they've taken the last one I would have taken of the bunch, if I'm perfectly honest. Like that, the group that went in that whole round was a. Yeah, I do feel like they potentially may look at that later on when they compare in two, three years' time how the rest have developed. I think they'll develop a lot quicker at the pro level. This could be a bit more of a a project. Yeah. One thing, I've got so, one thing I didn't like in this round. Steelers, they took Pat Frymuth. Now, I was expecting him to go to maybe somewhere like Jacksonville, but when you think about how long they've had tight-end issues... We had Jesse James, Heath Miller retired. Like say, he was the consensus number two tight end. There was a big drop off after him. Mm. It's called Baby Gronk for a reason. So I feel like that is going to help the line 
and any potential quarterback. Like I say, it's, it's not for Big Ben necessarily. It's for someone else in the future. But I think that was a, a nice natural fit. I think it's a day one starter as well, but perhaps that means the end of the Pittsburgh career of the Detroit Lions' favourite former first-round pick. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't bode well, does it, for Mr. Stonehands? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, I'm just looking through to see if anything else really jumps out at me from this group. Uh, I, I like Boogie Basham going that late, 61 to Buffalo. I think that's... Is that a second consecutive edge for them as well? Um, it was, yes. They took one of the... They took, they took one of the first. So Russo and Basham. I did. I was listening to two one drafts earlier today, actually, and, and they were talking about the first round. And actually, that they think that Russo might actually project as a interior defensive lineman at the pros at that size, if he can just bulk up a little bit more, that yeah, he could be an interior pressure guy, and and then you could stick um, Boogie on the outside of him, and that's a fearsome twosome that you've got to face. Does make sense, yeah, like you say. Russo has got the size, but he's very lean. He's a he's a lean six foot six. He's got long arms, so he does need to bulk up. So I do think you could put him on the interior. He could generate some pressure from the inside. Yeah, absolutely. All right, it's time to welcome in our first guest of the day, Ryan from Bear Down Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys? Yeah, doing really well. We have bleary-eyed this morning after a, a long day yesterday but thank you so much for getting up so early for us you know what honestly this is uh this is easy for me i've been up since uh, four o'clock this morning uh i've got a an australian football club that i that i watch religiously and so i'm up i'm, I'm excited i'm ready to talk uh, nfl let's go boys yeah so just quickly you have an aussie rules team who is it uh, so it's Port Adelaide. Uh, you know, it, when when COVID first kind of swept over and we saw that things were going to get canceled, uh, a good friend of mine who happens to be a Vikings fan uh, said, hey, let's let's find a team and support a team together. And, uh, you know, we just kind of started learning the rules a little bit. And it's one of those things you get hooked really fast. So whenever I see, you know, uh, a fan from the UK, I, I just identify with you guys so much, you know, waking up at crazy hours to watch games, you know, the draft and all of those other things man i just like seriously my my heart goes out to you guys big time it's uh it's a commitment it's a commitment <laughs> but i enjoy it i absolutely love it um just to kick us off why don't you tell us a bit about yourself right uh, so I, I grew up in Chicagoland, uh, you know, started uh, as a Bears fan in, in 2001. It was a very magical season. The Bears went 13 and three. It was one of those times where the ball just kind of seemed to bounce their way every way imaginable. You know, they, they just got some some unbelievable plays. Uh, and it's just, you know, once you get that that first, you know, wonderful season under your belt, it just it kind of hooks you. Um, and, you know, I've been uh, been writing and working for the Bear Down Report for a little over a year now, and we've got the podcast rolling, which is not even a full season yet, um, but we've been really thrilled. And, 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 you know, thankfully, we've been able to connect with you guys, uh, you know, having several members of, uh, of our crew that, that are international and uh, some in the UK, some in Australia. And so just, uh, you know, I just absolutely love the passion of, of UK fans and, uh, you know, fans from across the world for the love of, of this wonderful game. I think the thing about the UK fans is you have to be a bit fanatical to, as you say, <laughs> do all the things that, that we do to watch the game. So we're going to come with that commitment as kind of part and parcel, I think. Um, moving on to the Bears generally kind of last year and, and the roster holes that you came into the draft with, how do you how did you see those so it's really interesting matt if you would have asked me i would say like even maybe three days ago, how I felt about the Chicago Bears, I would say the fandom is kind of thinking about walking away from this team beyond frustrated, just uh, no trust in, in the management in any way, shape or form. Just, you know, they, they were kind of saying, hey, we made it to the playoffs two of the last three years. Well, you didn't really make it to the playoffs at eight and eight that just the NFL gave an extra playoff game and you just happened to be, you know, the guys that just made it in. Thank you, Arizona yeah. Cardinals. 
Um, but you know, the, the thing is, Hey, here we are, um, in a significantly different situation, you know, uh, looking at, uh, this team, we thought quarterback obviously was going to be, a, a, a huge need. Andy Dalton signing was not one that, that any of us were looking around going, yes, I'm excited about Andy Dalton. Um, the contract even looks, I think worse now, the fact that they were able to, to get Justin Fields, um, you know, considering that the, the bears cap situation is is absolutely abysmal. I mean, it is, it's, it's bad all across the board. Um, but I think bears fans this morning are waking up just going, is this still a dream? Is this possible that we were able to draft, uh, two guys that, that bears fans said, man, if we could get Justin Fields, it would be a dream. But if we got Tevin Jenkins, we would be ecstatic. And somehow, some way, both of these guys are going to be wearing Chicago bears uniforms. I, I, Matt, I just, I'm, I'm in disbelief that I think there's a, a general consensus amongst the fans right now that is just like, do, do we have to apologize to, to Ryan Pace, the, the GM for all of the awful, awful things that we've said about him. And I don't know, man, maybe we do. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I kind of hope you do uh, because <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, I, it's, it's a worrying level of competency showing in the draft, considering the kind of previous history that we've been used to with him. So I 100%. do wonder whether this is enough to save his job, whether it's going to turn you guys from, I, I would say, a kind of 50-50 sort of team. You're going to go 8-8, eight and 9-8 eight, and eight sort of thing. That's where I saw you anyway. Is this going to turn you into a team that can, can properly contend? Maybe not this year, but if you show enough promise that maybe next year you can get there. I don't know whether it saves his job. Is, is, is if you went nine and eight with promise, would you keep him on? I think that, that you know, Matt, that's such an excellent point. It's it's just uh, a lot of Bear fans have said we believe that this buys Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy at least two more seasons. You know, because the the, the chance that you're going to put Justin Fields out game one is not as high. I mean, I think the dude is incredibly smart. Uh, one of the things that I love about his game is that he improves week to week to week, and I think that he probably could do it. Um, but it seems like the Bears want to start Andy Dalton day one which I think, again, it buys these guys a little bit of time um, to, in order to keep their jobs and say, hey, look, we're, we've brought in the guy that everybody wanted, um, the, you know, the, 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 the player that every Bears fan has been clamoring for, and we want to develop him. And so I think that, that Bears brass, like they don't like to make these, these big sweeping front office changes. And this just kind of plays to their hand. So, you know, a good friend of mine said, Ryan Pace is, is crazy like a Fox. And, and you know, um, and I, I just, I believe that, that there is something to that where he realized this is the move we have to make in order to keep our jobs. And it seems like that's, what's going to happen. Looks like it's worked. Ryan, you have a few questions? Uh, yeah. Uh, morning, Ryan. Thanks. Good morning. Or good uh, afternoon, right? For you guys. Yeah. <laughs> My question to you is, do you, in recent times, within the past few days, we've seen some interesting interactions and potential stories coming out uh, regarding the likes of Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Do you feel that there is a, uh, there's a shift coming in the NFC North? The power could be the tide returning. We saw the uh, Vikings take Helen Mond, despite Kirk Cousins being on a huge contract. That raises some doubts about his future there and what's going on with Rogers' potential retirement. This could be a huge shakeup for the NFC North in general, couldn't it? Ryan, man, you've just made some excellent points. Uh, the first thing is, since you just brought it up, is Kellen Mond. That's a name that I had kind of circled to say if the Bears draft Tevin Dank. <laughs> excuse me guys Tevin Jenkins in the first round I would be excited to see Kellen Mond in that third round in the start of the third round have the Bears bring him in at quarterback you know a developmental guy have him learn under Andy Dalton obviously things have turned around and so through my Viking fan friends I've said hey I think this is a really good signing um I understand that Kirk Cousins has played well at times, but I don't understand the the absolute love for him. I think his contract is really prohibiting uh, the Vikings, though uh, Spielman is an amazing GM and knows how to get you know the most draft uh, capital and most value that's out there. Um, I kind of have the Vikings as a team that I think is going to be kind of vying for that number one or number two spot. But Ryan, man, I think you saw it on my face, man. As soon as you said Aaron Rodgers, um, 
it's it's difficult because if I say anything negative about him, it's it's people think, oh, here's a Bears fan talking negatively about it. But but I mean, let's let's be real about this for a second. You have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back in over 30 years and you have two Super Bowls to show for it. And I mean, Aaron Rodgers is next level. And so this organization has done him absolutely no favors. And what do you do then? You draft a cornerback in round one when your disgruntled MVP has basically said, hey, I want out of this organization. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know, Ryan. I mean, if, if it happens, if he leaves, it, I think it, it drastically changes the look of, of the Packers. Sure, they've got Devontae Adams um, and you know they've, they've got a strong running game. But aside from that, I don't think that they are, they're a really great team without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that guy is... He's one of the best to ever play the game. And without him, that that changes the the entire landscape of the NFC North big time. Yeah. No, I totally sorry. sorry. I totally agree. Because I also look at the scenario where the players you choose in the draft and the level of protection can irk a quarterback. Look at Russell Wilson. He, he came out and said, look, if you don't start protecting me, if you let me eat sacks, I want out which then triggered all these potential Bears rumours. Like I said, it's going to be potentially an ugly relationship going forward. You need to rectify this somehow, don't you? A hundred percent. The only thing I'll also say, though, that to that, Ryan, is when we look at what happened with, uh, with LaFleur coming in and we all thought, oh, things aren't going well, the reports that they were fighting and then they, they weren't getting along, and then they had two trips to the NFC uh, championships. So, so obviously, you know, it, it, he may be a guy that can put aside his, his personal feelings on some things to, to make it happen, and I think that's probably giving Packers fans a lot of hope. But, you know, for Lions, Vikings, and Bears, fans we're we're just i think you know it, it just would would be nice to see the the division sh- shaken up a little bit and to see somebody else kind of in front a little bit i mean they, all credit to them they, they have won fair and square and uh you know it's it's been hard to watch them um from that position um but uh but man it just i think it would be really fun for the nfc north to see things take a different direction yeah i agree um the thing about aaron Rodgers. I know we've kind of spent a lot of time on him and not on the Bears, perhaps, but just one more thing is throughout the season, there was a noticeable change in his demeanor. He, in previous years, was a frustrated figure on the sideline. He wore his heart on his sleeve. And then this year, he looked like he was smoking pot all the time. Just like, it's it's chill, (laughs) dude. I'm relaxed. I'm just enjoying myself. And then coming out here saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to retire. It's totally at odds with the kind of guy he portrayed throughout the season. I find the, the difference between the guy he was on the field this year and this offseason really striking. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he's crossing over to Illinois because in Illinois, uh, it's marijuana is legal now. So I don't know. It's, it's possible, uh, Matt, that that's what's happening in the first place. Uh, no, you know, I, I think it was a little bit of a, a, a chip on the shoulder. Hey, you guys didn't give me what I asked for, but I'm still going to be the MVP. You know, again, I, I'm a Bears fan, but I can respect someone who has an incredible game and he has an incredible game. You know, if he was wearing a 12 Jersey that was in orange and blue, I know that, that I would be, I would be cheering for him very loudly. And if he was wearing Honolulu blue, Matt, I'm sure you'd be, you'd be cheering for him as well. Oh, the Facebook groups of people going, should we trade for him? But you're thinking, no, nobody's going to trade in division. And then you look at what happened with Dallas and in round one with the Eagle. I'm like, wait, you're what? How is like, how does this happen in division? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But I guess to screw over another division rival together is kind of funny. <laughs> right. right. I love absolutely. that. Um, looking ahead to the draft, obviously you've been super solid so far. Uh, the trade up didn't cost too much just next year's first, I think maybe a late round pick elsewhere. I don't, I don't think there's too much. Uh, so that must be really encouraging. Is there anyone else that you're perhaps targeting any position groups that you'd like to see filled in day three? You know, it's, it's really hard, Matt, because you're thinking, Hey, in an ideal world, we get either an offensive tackle or a quarterback. And somehow the bears ended up with both, uh, both who I believe, you know, I, I ranked in the, in the first round and, and actually I put Justin Fields as, as quarterback number two, uh, ahead of Zach Wilson. And so I'm, I'm elated at this point. Um, 
cornerback is is a huge need with Kyle Fuller exiting to to Denver that is a big big need uh Trufant is is a good player but but not not at the caliber in any way shape or form of Kyle Fuller uh Bears fans are pretty upset about that now the Andy Dalton contract looks terrible um the fact that you were able to get him and you maybe could have kept Kyle Fuller and not signed Andy Dalton then Nick Foles is helping Justin Fields along that would have made a whole lot more sense so mm. while we're all praising Ryan Pace this morning, it's it's not the same as like, hey, he's done a perfect job here. Uh, I would love to see the Bears pick up another wide receiver, uh, just just someone, any, anyone in late round, something along those lines, um, a linebacker apparent to Danny Trevathan, who is starting to age out quite a bit. Um, you know, anyone next to Roquan Smith, that's going to be a fun linebacker duo. Um, but at this point of the game, guys, it's, it's really hard to say that like if at this point, everything else feels like an extra. Whatever the Bears get, I'm 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 already so happy with with the the first two picks. Any more questions, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I've got a question. Like say going, like you say, you mentioned wide receiver. You've got Alan Robinson, but there seems to be some sort of to and fro in. Like say, signed his tag, but will he be there next year? And then that, I, I found it quite bizarre that. Anthony Miller was on the trade block. You essentially said, someone, please come and take him off our hands. So going into next year, like say, wide receivers potentially be an issue because there's no guarantee that either of those guys will be there. I think the, the Allen Robinson thing has a little bit more to do with the Bears' bad cap situation. And we all know that in 2022, that situation is going to look drastically different. So I think uh, the, the hope right now is for Bears fans is that that Allen Robinson looks at Justin Fields the way that we're looking at Justin Fields. And, you know, he's clearly going to get him the ball. I think Allen Robinson is much more motivated to be here now instead of having Andy Dalton as his QB one to have Justin Fields as QB one. I think he wants to be here. I think he wants to stay here. Bears fans definitely want him to stay here. Bears fans are really excited about Darnell Mooney. He doesn't drop balls the way that Anthony Miller does. He doesn't punch players with helmets on the way that Anthony Miller does and Javon Wims. Um, I just, guys, I it's it's one of those. It's like literally your coaches say, hey, that guy at the helmet on, don't punch him. And they still do it. And it's just, it's, it's so we're, we're kind of a, hey, thank you so much for your time. But, but the Anthony Miller experiment, it's, he, I think he would be best served by getting a, a new, fresh opportunity somewhere else. That's totally fair. Yeah. I, that, that was one of the more bizarre moments of last season. Just, it, it <laughs> looked like a really vicious punch. And yet it really didn't seem to do more than like push his helmet a little bit. And he right. lost it. But, <laughs> ah. You don't understand. We're all like, like, we, we don't understand it. It happened twice, twice in one season from two different players. And it just, you know, we, no one wants to be that. No one wants to have that guy on their team. And uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's been difficult to, to cheer for him when he talks a big game, but again, he's been plagued by the drops and, you know, to have Darnell Mooney, a fifth round draft pick out of Tulane that has just been stellar. And it, it got better and better as the season went on. Bears fans are really excited about him. If you could somehow find a big body receiver on the opposite of Allen Robinson, and then you put Darnell Mooney in the slot, Man, with David Montgomery, Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, and uh, Justin Fields, I, I I can't believe I'm going to say this to you guys, but the Bears might have a good offense. It might like happen. I just, <laughs> it might happen. I just, Crazier things have happened. <laughs> I, I don't know, to, man. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, sorry, please. No. I was just going to say, just to kind of finish up on, on Matt Nagy, perhaps. Um, we were saying before about keeping his job or not keeping his job, but in terms of the offense that he runs. The first season with Trubisky was the second season, but one of those two was stellar. He he wasn't showing too much in the same way that perhaps Goff didn't show too much to look very good in the first few years of the Rams. What do you think was the difference between the first few years of Trubisky and the last few years of Trubisky? Was it down to scheme and coach, do you think? Matt, that is such a brilliant question and a question I think every Bears fan is asking uh, because you seemingly got so much out of Mitch Trubisky in 2018 um, and then not so much in 2019 and 2020. Uh, it, would, it would appear that 
in 2018, Matt Nagy took a lot of fun in calling unique plays, play designs, and playing to the strengths of his players as he's getting to know them. And then in 2019 and 2020, he made a curious decision, which was, I'm going to start to essentially take that stuff away and make you try to fit into my system. And it's been a, a big knock amongst Bears fans on Matt Nagy, just... We're, 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 we're not really thrilled with the way in which that guy has not necessarily utilized the talents is one of the reasons why he got play calling duties taken away from him late on in the season in 2020, Bill Lazor coming in from Cincinnati doing an excellent job using the run game, using that play action, which is Mitch's strengths. And uh, you know, we look at 2019 and at one point, uh, you know, the, the, the bears were playing the saints and Mitch Trubisky, drop back 50 times. If you have a struggling quarterback, you don't make him do that. It, and it's really, really quite simple. So it's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating to think in 2018, Matt Nagy could do no wrong. And in 2020, we were all just calling for him to be fired. It just, it, it, it the, the BU mentality, which he puts all over the place uh, is something that we, we really admired at first, but he just seems reluctant to change, uh, to adapt to the, the strength of the players that he has. It's exactly the same thing I've seen in Sean McVay. That, you know, it's this guy who's an absolute offensive genius. And look how good his teams look. And then he decides that he knows best. And suddenly the team doesn't look so good. And it, it doesn't it looks like the coach is almost at loggerheads with maybe the, the, the GM in terms of the roster building. Because if you want to take it your own way, you've got to get players which are going to fit your system. And Either one's falling down or the other's falling down, but you're a team and you're working together. That yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, you know, I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about Shanahan in San Francisco is the exact opposite. That guy finds a way to win with with bottom-of-the-barrel quarterbacks. They, they seem like they're in games at, at all times, and their offense is still cooking, you know, with C.J. Beathard and, uh, you know, whoever else it might be throwing the football that week, you know, just finding a way to, to, to utilize his players' strengths. And it's, it's frustrating when it says, no, 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 my system is, is what you should do i think good coaching is finding a way to to kind of adapt to both that system that you want to run and the strengths of the players that you have in front of you any final questions ryan uh, yeah one final one if i'm going to put you on the spot here if you had to look at what you've seen from day one to what's going on what i'm not going to ask you for record but if you how do you think the nfc north will finish position wise Man, Ryan, it's such a great question. Um, you know, originally you it changed, but you, yeah, changed yeah, the last year. yes, very, very much so. So again, you know, it's it's so funny as I, I actually uh, had a, a friend on who who covers the Lions, and we talked a little bit about it, and to you know say, hey, where do you see the the, the finish? You know, and and initially I said Packers on top, uh, then the Vikings, then the Bears, then the Lions. But man, I don't know this, this, you know, things have changed dr dramatically over the last couple of weeks here. And especially over this weekend with the Aaron Rodgers news, uh, you know, the Packers just not seemingly drafting really, really well. And, and obviously with, with the excitement over in, in Chicagoland. Um, so, you know, gut reaction as a fan, sure. I'm going to say it's, you know, it's a three-way race between the Vikings, the Bears um, and, and the Packers, but realistically <laughs> i'm sure that's probably not going to happen um you know there's going to be a lot of growing pains um and and, and also honestly you know for, for lions fans getting seawell in, in in the first round just I, I truly applaud you know i know that isn't the the sexy pick so to speak but i mean that is a generational talent at, at tackle and just thinking you know jared goff who who's not the most mobile quarterback in the world like i'm excited to see what he does for you guys truly yeah, I think we've given him the best chance to succeed there. Definitely, absolutely. And thank you so much for for giving us your time. We're, we're really appreciative of it. Is there anything you'd like to plug or anything before you go? Well, well, first and foremost, Matt and Ryan, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. I really, truly appreciate it. I, I know this is a big undertaking that you guys have done, you know, inviting all these people on. And uh, man, just to, to keep it rocking and rolling, I, I truly, I have the utmost respect for all the UK fans uh, of the NFL. Truly, guys, anytime you happen to make it to the Midwest, if you're in the Chicagoland area, I will happily buy you guys a beer um, and we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a bit of food and we'll, we'll talk about the game. So uh, if, if 
you don't mind, yeah, at some point you can follow me on Twitter uh, at BDR Dangle, D-E-N-G-E-L. Uh, check out BeardownReport.com for anything Chicago Bears. And uh, guys, truly, thank you so very much for this morning. I, I really, truly appreciate the opportunity. It's great. Thank, thank you so you much, here. Ryan. Talk yeah. Take care, guys. You too. Be well. Take care. Bye. What a great guy. Yeah, I, I think that. he was my favorite interview. He was yeah. just so friendly. I love that. I love that very much. And Chicago is a place I definitely want to visit. It's meant to be one of those. Yeah, it does, look, it does look cool, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. So let's have a look at round two before we bring on our 49er fan at about 10 minutes time. So, oh, should I read them out? It's a big undertaking. There's a lot of picks. Um, we actually, ah, I'll, go, I'll go for it. Um, so we kicked off round three with Jacksonville at 65. For Andre Sisko, Minnesota took Kellen Mond, 66. Houston for Davis Mills at 67. Atlanta, Jalen Mayfield, Cincinnati, Joseph Asai, Caroline Brady Christensen. The Giants took Aaron Robinson. Detroit then took Aleem McNeil. Philadelphia took Milton Williams. Washington for Benjamin St. Juice. Dallas took Osa Odigazua. I'm going to say yeah, that. Uh, New Orleans took Paulson Adebo. The Chargers for Joff. Palmer, Minnesota for Chaz Surratt, Vegas back-to-back, Malcolm Kuntz and Divine Diablo, Miami took Hunter Long, Washington for Miami Brown, Carolina Tommy Tremble, Dallas Chauncey Golston, Green Bay then took Amari, uh, Amari Rogers, Minnesota for Wyatt Davis, Pittsburgh for Kendrick Green, San Francisco Trey Sermon, Houston Nico Collins, Minnesota for Patrick Jones, Cleveland took Anthony Schwartz, Tennessee for Monty Rice, Buffalo Spencer Brown, uh, Baltimore, Ben Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Rob Hainsey, New England, Robert Perkins, Ronnie Perkins, sorry, the Chargers of Trey McKitty, Denver for Quinn Miners, Dallas and Sean Wright, Tennessee for Elijah Molden, Detroit to Ifatu Melifonwu, San Francisco for Ambry Thomas, the Rams for Ernest Jones, Baltimore for Brandon Stevens, and Denver finally at 105 for Baron Browning. What sticks out to you in terms of I said good and bad there uh, in the second round, and, and again in the third, best and worst? Uh, I'll jump in the third. One pick I do like is I like Josh Palmer. I like the Tennessee to the Chargers. I think that is a very solid pickup. He is going to be someone that is going to potentially take over from straight away from Mike Evans, because Mike Evans, we know he deal, deals with injuries very often, and Hunter Henry's gone. Keenan Allen is going to need some help. And Josh, he's a big body. He's strong. I expect him to be able to win on the outside. Not necessarily the best in separation, but when you've got someone that can compete like he can, I think with Justin Herbert, they're going to quickly form quite a good bond. And that is someone that is going to take a lot of pressure off the likes of Keenan Allen. I, I think he's a day one starter. And when I, when I look at his physical attributes, production, what he's good at, I think Kenny Golladay. It just seems a natural fit in terms of comp for me. All right. I'll, I'll say I'll go one extra pick as well. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not good. It's not bad. But I understand it. It's Davis Mills. I understand the Texans right now with what's going on in the scenario. He there is a reserve. He's the backup plan. If anything develops in the Deshaun Watson story, they potentially need a guy that can learn on the job. And if not, if they do have reservations about moving on from him in the future, he can sit and learn either way. So whether he plays this year, next year, if he never plays, I do understand that pick. It makes sense to protect the uh, integrity of the offensive room, having another body there, someone that's willing to take the, the impossible job of stepping in at very short notice. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of Big reach is the the obvious one. I think you mentioned earlier, Malcolm Koontz, uh, just not on my board whatsoever. Um, and took, taken at 79 by Vegas. That's a, that's a long, long way down. Anthony Schwartz seemed like a massive reach. Uh, 91 to Cleveland, 151 on my board. And Monty Rice with several better linebackers for me. Going to Tennessee at 92. Um Trey McKitty as well to the charges. Uh, you were saying about tight ends and needing to give them some relief there. And he's, he's a good receiving 
tight end, but taken 97th, 216 on the board. And Dallas for Nishon Wright, another one that just baffles me. There's some there's some all-time reaches in this day two, and, and, and maybe this is because of the lack of 2020 tape and us, the, the media guys and the amateurs at home not really being able to evaluate these guys very well, but it, is, can the media get it this far wrong that guys in the mid-200s are being taken in the mid-third mid round? It, it's baffling to me. It is, and I, I, don't, I think using the, uh, the COVID opt-out lack of film they're going to end up using that as an excuse later on for taking players that just shouldn't have been taken where they are. If you look at Nishon Wright, look who got took behind him. Elijah Molden, Melly Fongwu, Ambry Thomas and Brandon Stevens. So they they pounced on a guy that was taken probably 100 places too soon and then corners that had slid so far, then rattled off the board like it's, it's baffling. I do think that Molden is potentially my favourite pick of the third round at pick 100. He's listed as a safety. I think he played two games there in his college career, but actually played the majority as slot corner. And yeah. I just think the value is there. He didn't test particularly well, I don't think. But No, he tested poorly. Yeah, but, but in terms of what he's flashed on film... Yeah. You know, good defensive backs as well. You've only got to look at the last few years, like Taylor Rapp, the safety, like... They, they are a good defensive school and they produce pro-ready secondary players usually. Mm. Uh, another player I think that I would rank as perhaps in my in my best of the third rounds might be Diami Brown at 82 to Washington. He's He fell 24 places from where I thought he would be taken. Um, extremely productive wide receiver, probably going to line up in the slot, but maybe might be able to do a little bit for you on the outside as well. What, what do you think about him? I think when you look at the Browns, the Browns are getting scary good. You look at, they've already got Steve Steve Sims. They've got Terry McLaurin on the outside. So there you've got the help on the outside. And then when you put someone in like Diamond Brown, who for all intents and purposes, is going to take the roof off a lot of defences. He's, he's a burner. I think that is going to give some massive investment inside. And also I expect him to chip in in the return game as well. So you're getting probably a dual threat there, a good value at that round. Yeah, absolutely. If Lee is ready, I think we're going to introduce our our final guest of the afternoon, Lee from 49er Faithful UK. How are you doing, man? Yeah, not bad, Matthew. How are you? Doing very well. A bit bleary-eyed this morning and uh, yeah, suffering with, with a sleep deprivation. But there we go. Thank you so much for coming on and, and donating your time. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no uh, problem. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself to kick us off? Okay, so my name is Lee Gowland. Um, I've been running the 49er Fearfully UK group since 2015. Um, the group's actually been around since 2010. Um, we've got a really good uh, group of admins there. There's quite a few of us. Um, we have meetups during the season. We try to make it with a regular season game, but obviously we, we West Coast based. So it's difficult because all of our games tend to be late on. Um, so it's difficult to try and get somewhere that will show the game that later on. Um, but, yeah, we're trying to have meetups. Um, we are regularly online together. Um, last night we were, on, we were on a Zoom call until 5 o'clock this morning. Um, and, and to be honest, that Zoom call, I think we were all very underwhelmed with the way day two went. Um, day one, we were over the moon about day one um, with the trail lands pick. Um, but, yeah, last night seemed to be a long night that didn't yield the results that we were expecting, to be honest. So let's examine that a little bit more. Trey Lance at three. You obviously gave up the house, the farm, and, and yeah. everything in between to move up. Do you think that was the intention overall? Uh, there were rumours that the, the the head coach was enamoured with someone else and everyone else was pulling for Trey Lance. Uh, it seemed like the media and everyone else thought that you should take fields. Um, so between the men in the room, the media yeah. and the other guy, you're all pulling someone else. Do you think it was the right decision? Yes. Yes. So I think the wrong decision would have been Mac Jones. I think he was the wrong person, definitely for the fan base. Um, so the, the way we run our group, the 49th year for UK, we try and stay away from any conflict and try to keep it positive. I think had Mac Jones have been uh, the pick there at number three, I've had my work cut out for us for the next few weeks, trying to calm everybody down. So as far as who 
Shanahan wanted and the rumours. What we found since um, Shanahan and Lynch came in four years ago is there's no leaks at all that come out of Santa Clara. So the rumours are purely speculation, people trying to um, join the dots together and doing a really bad job of it, um, which is great for us because as 49er fans, we knew this was all rumours. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, Shanahan would have had his own thoughts on that all the way through. I do believe that um, Lance was his number one target all the way through. Um, the fact that they came out and said, Jimmy will be the starter next season. We knew it was going to be a development guy. So that takes away Mac Jones because Mac Jones can easily start day one. So that took him out of the way. Justin Fields, I had kind of the same feeling. I thought, you know what, he could probably start day one as well. And if I'm honest, um, I actually wanted us to take Justin Fields, but I'm actually happy with Trey Lance. Um, there's a few concerns about Justin Fields. Um, he holds on to the ball too long. His release time was 3.2 seconds, average release. He's got to be quicker than that in the NFL. Um, he had, obviously, he had these health issues that came up. They weren't too much of a concern, but I can understand why a GM might have been scared off taking him at number three. Um, when they find out he's got epilepsy, um, what was the other one? I, I had three things that um, kind of swayed us away from Justin Fields. There were character concerns that he was the last in the building, first out, but I think that they were backtracked pretty quickly on. Um, I didn't yeah. look too much into that, but that is the other thing I think that might have factored in, maybe. So, I mean, Justin, so I heard those rumors as well, but Justin Fields was one of these guys that actually campaigned to get the Big Ten playing this year. Mm. last season yeah so I, I don't think yeah I don't think work ethic or actually wanting to play I, I don't think that would have been an issue no. um, but at the end of the day I mean we took Trey Lance the concern I have about Trey Lance is he's still very young he's only played one full season and that was his junior year um, so potentially if he's going to sit behind Jimmy for the first season that's two years where he hasn't really had any competitive football so that's a little bit of a concern but then when you watch him, I can understand why Shanahan liked him. Um, his footwork is great. His arm strength is unbelievable. Um, I was watching some highlights the other day and uh, with a flick of the wrist and he'd thrown, thrown it 70 yards through the air without any effort whatsoever. And it was just unbelievable. So I'm, I'm really excited. I, th I think it's a really good pick. I'm glad that we're going to keep Jimmy for another year at least. And it's going to be interesting to see to see how we do next season. Because to be honest, last season, we were absolutely decimated with injuries. Yet our defence, which was the biggest hit, our defence was still a number five defence. So the defence played at a decent level to get us into the playoffs. The thing that we were missing was a decent backup quarterback because we can't rely on Jimmy being fit. And it's not Jimmy's quality as a quarterback. Jimmy can win. He can. He's proven that. He is a winner. It's just that the, the one attribute you want from a player in his position is availability, and he just hasn't had it over the years. So I can understand why they're, they're doing what they are doing. Um, obviously, when you look at Jimmy, he doesn't have that big throwability either. But again, because of the way the 49ers play, the way Shanahan schemes everything, you don't necessarily need that big player. It, it, it's great to have it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to turn down a quarterback that has this big playability, who, who can put it into a small window and actually win the game on his own. But that was never asked of Jimmy. So I, I understand why Shanahan has gone down the route to bring somebody else in. Mm. Um, I, I can't see Treyland starting day one. I might be wrong, but I can't see it. No, I, I do think that he could be a starter this year. I think that... Yeah. That one thing I've seen from Lance is although he is very inexperienced, he's he's probably one of the gonna be instantly one of the smartest guys on the team. He he's a yes. fanatic as far as I've been led to believe from the media in terms of the fact that he just spends pretty much all of his time learning the game, watching tape. He's he's a madman for it, much in the sort of Tom Brady sort of fashion of a student of the game. So I think if anyone can get there quickly, it might be him. Do you think that that Jimmy's had a um, an unfair bit of flack thrown at him because I think the, the Super Bowl year for you, he he led you to it. And I think that he actually played quite a big part in it, contrary to yeah. perhaps what people say about Goff now, obviously that we have Goff and, and people say, oh, he took them to a Super Bowl. And I don't actually think that he was a massive part of that. Whereas I think Jimmy was a big part of what he did yeah, he for was. you. Yeah. But then late in the playoffs, Shanahan took 
decision-making out of his hands and says, right, we're going to run the ball for the last two games pretty much and you take the back seat. Do you think that that Jimmy now gets a kind of bad, bad rap because everyone remembers those last two games of the season rather than the, the 18 or so that preceded it? Yeah, I mean, it's natural because of the position he plays that uh, if you get to a Super Bowl, then you look at the quarterback. Why didn't the quarterback win that game? But for me, that game was definitely not Jimmy's uh, loss. To me, the, the, the defence gave up. Sorry, they didn't give up. The defence thought they'd already won the game when they got that last uh, interception from Mahomes at the start of the fourth quarter. And you could see they were just far too cocky about it. And for me, they just sat back. They thought, right, game over. Fantastic. And they got smacked in the mouth for it. So it's definitely not Jimmy. But to answer your question, I do think he gets a lot of unfair uh, flack about that. People seem to forget the game against um, the New Orleans Saints, where they stopped us running the ball and Jimmy outgunned Drew Brees. He actually put some, he, he put on a show there, a passing display, and it was fantastic. He won us that game, and people seem to forget that. And that was, a, that was on the road in the Superdome in an intimidating atmosphere, and he absolutely balled out. Yeah, he definitely can do it. You talked about having an underwhelming day two. You took yeah. Aaron Banks at 48, Trey Sermon at 88, and Ambry Thomas at 102. What, what were you perhaps looking for, and what don't you see in the guys that you have taken? to be disappointed so as far as the guys we've taken I think the guys that we've taken will do fine but I think the first two don't fill needs of priority so all of our cornerbacks came back on one year contracts so we managed to get uh, Verrett Mosley Williams back they're all out the door next year it's debatable whether or not we'll be able to re-sign them so we really needed to prioritise cornerback and we didn't do that so at 43, we could have had the likes of um, Asante Samuel. Or we could have gone safety, which is also a need, and taken Trevon Morig. But we didn't. We, we went with the guard. And to me, we actually filled our biggest need on all line in free agency when we brought in an experienced centre who can help the other guys. Because our all line isn't as bad as what everybody makes it out to be. And I mean, Mike McGlinchey, Mike McGlinchey gets a lot of flack because his pass protection isn't great. Um, which we know, but we were running running team and he's one of the highest graded run protectors in the league. I think he graded second. So that people seem to forget this. Um, I think with Mike McGlinchey, if you put on a bit of weight, it would be a lot better for his pass protection because he gets bull rushed too often. Um, so we've got a problem there and we know we've got a problem there. We haven't brought in Aaron Banks to get rid of that problem because Aaron Banks is going to play a guard. And ironically enough, it was Mike McGlinchey who never showed up about Aaron Banks to John Lynch and convinced him to take him. But I think Aaron Banks, we could have easily have gotten him at 102. I, I think it's a hell of a reach to take him at uh, 48. But John Lynch has come out and said, had they not traded back from 43, they'd have taken Aaron Banks there as well. So that, that to me, was a little bit disappointing. It looks like a bit of a reach that... Um, there was plenty of what I would say would be game-changing players available, uh, and I've already named two of them, uh, Samuel Jr. and Trevon Morig. Um, just before I came on live, that I could hear you talking about um, Elijah Molden, who went at uh, 100. That's who I was hoping we would take on 102. I was absolutely good at and I can't believe he fell to 100. And then we've got our trade-up into 88, and we take Trey Sermon. Again, Trey Sermon, he'd have been available there at 117, and we traded that pick away with 121. So I just feel as though we haven't made the best use of our picks on day two. We, we aren't getting the value that we could have had, and we're not addressing the needs that, or the, needs that the fans think are priorities, the likes of cornerback and safety. So that, that was disappointing. Um, but then the kind of the pull that back a little bit with one or two bringing in Ambry Thomas, and I thought that was an excellent pick. And yeah. I think he 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 fell a lot further than what I was expecting him to fall. Um, I was expecting him to go around about 60, 70. So I thought that was a good pickup. Yeah, so and it kind board, of but... brought the day two back a little bit. It gives a little bit more value after the disappointing reaches. Yeah, I had him at 103 on my consensus board of where people might go. I kind of just right. built one by myself with the major organizations yeah. aggregated. So I think he went, for me, about roughly where I thought he would. But the thing about him is 
I think he has a very low floor. He obviously opted out of 2020. Yeah. Um, and he's a bit raw, but his ceiling is very, very high. He's a boom or bust player, but he's in an organization that obviously coaches very, very well. And if he's sitting for a year because you have cornerbacks in place already, I think he's in the best situation to succeed. I agree with you. I think it's yeah. a really shrewd pick. Yeah. Ryan, do you have any uh, thoughts? Any questions? Yeah. Uh, afternoon, Lee. Uh, hey, my question is, you've just lost one of the possibly the best defensive minds right now in the game, Robert Salah. He'd look, always looked destined to move on head coach. How do you feel that is going to change the defence at all? Do you think that is going to have any effects or what he's put in place will just carry on as normal like he never left? Because he was such an energetic guy on the sideline. He was, you know. He was right. getting involved and everything. I loved him. I wanted him as head coach, but some the Jets have got a good guy, I think. So, to be honest, I don't think it affected us. it's going to affect us that much because we'd already brought in his replacement the year before in Demeco Ryans. Um, we knew fine well that Robert Salah was going to get a head coaching job uh, very, very soon. Um, we were actually quite surprised to keep him last year. As far as um, being one of the best defensive minds, I would say the jury's out on that as a 49ers fan. Because for the first two seasons, defensively, we were absolutely garbage. And the only reason that changed was because we got Nick Bosa. And having a pass rush completely changed the way our defensive backs played. It gave them a lot more time to to basically stop the wide receivers. So I don't particularly think there was a huge jump in the way Salah coached the teams. I think it was the personnel on the field actually matched the system um, that we needed to play. And the fact that we brought in Demeco Ryans, who plays exactly the same system, there's going to be very little change. I think the biggest uh, miss we're going to have this uh, season is actually losing the leadership of Richard Sherman. Not necessarily a player, because to be honest, I mean, in in the Super Bowl, he was smoked five for five. um, And he has lost that bit pace. And I was kind of hoping that he might change to safety. He might switch over to safety because he's lost that little bit pace. But he's got the vision. He's got the football brain about him. And I think uh, he could do exactly the same as what Ronnie Lott did move over to safety and still be an all-pro at safety as well as a cornerback. Makes a lot of sense. Logan Ryan did that, didn't he? He moved yeah. to safety. When you lose that speed backwards, you can make up for it coming downhill. Just going to say you mentioned Nick Bosa, but for me, when I watched the 49ers, and I'm going to be putting money on this, my my dark horse for the Defensive Player of the Year has got to be Fred Warner. He is an mm-hmm. outstanding linebacker. He is a do-it-all, everything <clears throat> kind of guy. My question is, though, how do you feel the dynamic in the NFC West has changed? Who's stocking up? Who's going down? Because from what I've seen, Seattle drafted another wide receiver. I don't feel like they're doing any help in the Russell Wilson situation. But Stafford's obviously joined the division now. It's arguably maybe one of the best divisions in football. Yeah. How do you see it panning out? Yeah, so so that's an interesting question. And um I, I don't know if all fans will say this, but I, I still think the 49ers have got the strongest roster in that division, without a shadow of a doubt. When I look at what Seattle's done, um, you're right, they brought in a wide receiver. They didn't particularly have a problem throwing the ball or, or getting touchdowns, so I don't know why they've done that. Um, I know they've made some moves in the off-season to try and uh, help the defence. Um, they re-signed Carlos Dunlap. They brought in Alden Smith for approximately 24 hours before he got done on a charge. Um who else? Oh, they brought in. Um, oh, they brought in our cornerback uh, with a spoon. So spoon, yeah, we had a marmite relationship. With spoon, you either loved him or you hated him. I can guarantee you, the CLC Ox will get three good games from him a season, but that'll be about it because that's all we ever had of him. We had about three good games where it wasn't just good, but it was elite games. He was absolutely outstanding, and then he'd go missing for the rest of the season. And he'd do some really stupid mistakes. So I don't particularly think Seattle have addressed the problems they have, um, which is good for us. You look at um, you look at the Cardinals. So the Cardinals have brought in a coverage guy as linebacker, Savin Collins. So I think that was a very, very good move for them. However, I said exactly the same about Isaiah Simmons last year. And to be honest, he was absolutely garbage against us both times. And I was disappointed because I actually had him down as rookie defensive rookie of the year before the season started. I thought that was a really good move. So he was disappointed. They brought in wide receivers again. And 
they've got a really good wide receiver core. So they're building on strength on strength, but they're not really attacking some of the weaknesses they've got. So that, that was a strange one. And then you look at the Rams, and to be honest, the Rams I'm not worried about because I think Shanahan's got Max Shea's number. They just can't do anything against us. Aaron Donald, he's been absolutely absent the last four games against us the last two seasons. Um, and he's been he was absolutely owned last season. Um, Matt Stafford does worry us because I can guarantee you, had they had Matt Stafford last year, they'd have probably beaten us both games. I think it was the connection, the, the usually um, reliable connection between Goff and Cooper Cup that let them down in the games against us last season. Um, they were reasonably close, but I've got to be honest, I think we will win that division again. I think we will go deep into the playoffs. And if we don't have any injuries, I, I think we suit ball bound again. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. I think you're going to go under the radar because of what happened last year. Yeah. But I would totally agree with you. I think the Rams have drafted poorly. And I think that Stafford is going to take a season to kind of bed into that offense. And also, you don't know how they're going to mesh head coach and, and quarterback. Seattle look like they're imploding from the inside and trying yeah. to patch it up. But I, I just think the relationship is so far gone now that I don't see it working particularly well on the field, especially if Wilson takes a couple of hits early. I think he's going to mentally check out. And Arizona, I'm not sold on Kingsbury. He's no. he's someone who came in with a lot of promise. It's air raid offense, right? Let's get the four best wide receivers we can find in the league and an amazing quarterback. And that's going to be our offense. And yet the passing game hasn't actually been up as much. They're just using the one wide receiver pretty much. So yeah. you are a well-rounded offense and defense can win in multiple ways. And now you've got a couple of quarterbacks who can come in in a well. In a, if you have to, and you have to put Trey Lance in because of an injury in week two, I still think that's going to work quite well. So, yeah, yeah to be honest, I do as well. Um, I, I prefer he does sit. Um, so go, go back to two thousand and five when we picked up Alex Smith, and um, he, he didn't start straight away. I, I don't think I can't think he remembers. I think it was. Game five, game five, Alex Smith came in, started. And I think it was just far too soon. I think he needed to sit for a year. Uh, but then we had the whole, he, he's gone through six, seven coordinators in the first six, seven seasons. So that didn't help him. And I don't want to see that happen with Trey Lance. No. no I, I want to see, to see him have some consistency, sit and learn. Because we don't need him to start because Jimmy can win games. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think yeah. I said read somewhere, it was either first or second Lance is the youngest player, I think, in the entire draft, potentially. He's literally just gone 20. So, yeah, like you say, you need an offensive coordinator that's going to stay there and put an arm around him. I don't yeah. expect him to play until... Well, now we've got an extension to the season, 17 games. You wouldn't want to see Lance until maybe at least week 10 or 11, if things aren't going well. So, he actually turns 21 next weekend, Lance. But he is still the youngest, yeah. yeah. And he's had the fewest... Um, passing attempts ever to be taken in the first round. That's an amazing stat. Yeah. I mean, especially considering we've had in our own division, Mitchell Trubisky, who only played 17 games in his college career. 13. Yeah. 13. So that's, that's staggering. But I, I really am pulling for you guys, actually, in that division. I, I, I know a lot of other Lions fans will be kind of Rams fans now or as their second team because of Stafford. But I've always yeah. liked how the 49ers run their organisation. Um, and you know, I wish you the best for the season. Thank you so much for donating us your time today. It's yeah, been no problem. Great to talk to you, man. Yeah, no, yeah. thank you. Really um, thank you, Lee. No problem. Good luck in the rest of the draft, and good luck next season, guys. And see you, you too. See you later. Cheers. Bye. What a nice afternoon we've had. I love that. Yeah, that's two good interviews back to back. Uh-huh. Um, any final thoughts, perhaps, maybe on on Detroit's picks just before we check out? Uh, yeah, I mentioned a few guys in the chat. Like, there's a there's a few linebackers there. If Jubro Cox goes, like I say, there's Cameron McGrone, and there was a Rumpf that looks quite a disruptive kind of guy from Duke. He's one of the highest left on the board. But I do I I do like there's going to be a sneaky pick. I think we've got to address the wide receiver depth, even if we're only going to put two guys on the outside and have two in set. So someone like Tyler Wallace is there. And he has got a lot of upside. So I want to address at least one of them, either a linebacker and a wide receiver. If we don't do either, I will have reservations about 
where they see the position going forward. But also, we do have cap space. So I'm not devastated. We will, once all this shakes out with the draft, free agency will become a lot more clear. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking to the undrafted free agent group as well because there's so many of these guys that are being reached for down low, which means that some people that we expect to be drafted aren't going to be, and we're going to take between 12 and 15 undrafted free agents. So, you know, this doesn't just end with day three. I think we're going to fill out a lot of our roster and perhaps get one or two fringe rotational guys from that undrafted free agent class. So, I agree. Last year, we didn't take advantage. I don't know if it was a weak undrafted free agent class, or we just didn't target it very well. I think we took two safeties. We took Hunter Bryant, but we knew he had injury issues all through college. He did his whole rookie year. He's now had his designation flipped, so we don't know if we're going to see him again. So there's going to be some hidden gems this year. It's just finding that diamond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Thank you so much for joining me, man, this afternoon. Um, thank you to everyone for watching. We'll see you at half past four for day three. That's half past 11 Eastern time in the States. Until then, bye for now. Bye, guys.